And you can be seated. Let me um, remind us today, uh, first of all, that uh, this coming Sunday is um, the men's meeting, and that means there will be no service here in the church um, Sunday night. We will be having our meeting, and that's at 5.30. We meet here in the sanctuary and pray, and then uh, you folks voted, I'm talking about the men now, that we would have four chapters. Can those that voted for four chapters say amen? amen. Okay. And so we're expecting that. Yeah, I, I know, you didn't vote, so... <laughs> The majority ruled, you know. But it was a lot of the younger ones that wanted this four-chapter thing. And so we'll see how that goes. Robert, are you ready to facilitate Sunday night? Great, I'm looking forward to that. Robert's a good person. He used to teach end-time Bible studies in, um, was it down in Arizona, wasn't it? Yeah, so I have a lot of confidence in him. And he's going to be facilitating the Bible study on uh, Sunday night, so we'll do that. One thing we haven't got nailed down yet, and that is the food. We need somebody, and if you can see me after the service, to volunteer for the food, that would be, that would be great, okay? In Jesus' name, we'll get that nailed down. Tonight at the general conference, which is probably over by now, or if it's getting over, this was an, um, the global missions uh, service tonight. Um, we just tapped in on it for a little bit here when we first got here tonight. And um, exciting things, they just elected a, a new um, um, global mission director. Brother Bruce Howell was the director there for, it's got to be close to 20 years, I think. Um, um, I like Bruce Hall because Bruce Hall is the same age as I am. And so I appreciate him. I really do. I grew a, a good friendship with him down there. But he is stepping down in the Huntley. H-U-N-L-E-Y. How do you say that, Sister Carnahan? I don't know. That's going to take getting used to. But they're stepping in. Um, a young couple with a lot of... A lot of um, uh, experience over in the Middle East, but that's going to be a huge task for them. That is going to be, Brother Howell was a, an exceptional leader. He really was. And I'm not saying that nobody can replace nobody. It just means that sometimes the shoe size is a little bigger than we think it is. And so if you wouldn't mind right now, let's pray for the Hunley family. And let's ask the Lord to touch them and just give them confidence they're not going to be left alone. They're going to have a lot of people that will help them, but they're going to need to step into those big shoes. That's an important ministry. God, in the name of Jesus, touch them, strengthen them. I would pray that you would help that family. Those children are going to have to, re are going to be in a, in a new area too. And so I trust the Lord God that this was your pick. This is who you wanted to see to do this. And so God, I, I'm, I'm confident that they're going to be able to take over. But Lord, there's always an adjustment. And so help them with that adjustment. And God, I give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Somebody shout at me, I am global. Yeah, that's what the deal, and you can be seated. That's an offering that they take up, and in fact, they're taking it up tonight. The missionaries that were just here, the Becerras, um, uh, are probably there at that conference tonight, hoping and anticipating that a big enough offering will be taken so that they can accelerate their way back to Belize. That's what it's all about. If you get time to listen to that global mission service 
online, you should. It's, it's powerful. The things that I Am Global have accomplished in the United Pentecostal Church is tremendous. It just is. It's mind-boggling that we let it go for that long. But nevertheless, it's intact. And so what I want to remind you of is this church, we want to send in an I Am Global missionary offering. I know we talked about this, I think it was last Sunday. And so if you want to give specially for that, we would appreciate that. We really would because we want to send that in in the next few weeks. And so that's I Am Global. You can go ahead and just designate that on the tithing forms and we will make sure that that money gets sent down there and everybody say amen. amen. We finished our end time um, uh, weekend lineup and so it goes as following. Friday night uh, we will be starting brother and sister Arona will be here with us, great couple. And I'm anticipating just a great move of God. This is a good time to, to, to make um, invitations and let people know that, hey, this is going to be something that will um, be of interest to everybody. But Friday night at 7 o'clock, we're going to start that off here at the church. And um, um, we'll have very, very... A few preliminaries because we want to get right into the teaching. We want Brother Rona to have plenty of time. Um, I'm trusting that after the sessions, he'll have time for, for questions. And so we'll see how that goes, okay? Also, Saturday, we're going to continue from 1 to 4. We'll have two sessions on Saturday, and we'll have a little bit of an intermission between that. And that'll be Saturday afternoon from 1 to 4. And then he will be with us. They will be with us again Sunday morning at 10. So that's uh, actually four sessions, but three days they will be with us. So keep that in mind. We got that on our website now. And it would be, like I said, a great time for you to invite some people to the house of God. This is a great invitation tool. Can you say amen? amen. All right. And so tonight we're going to continue with the Bible study. I um, appreciate Bible study and appreciate your attendance. I really do. Um, it, it, it just is the way a lot of times that people can grow in, uh, in the things of God. This uh, particular four-week period here, we've been dealing with um, uh, David and Solomon in particular. Um, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the fact that, or maybe it was a week ago, I think I combined two lessons last uh, Wednesday night, but we talked about how David was not the first pick. He was not the one that really was going to be picked at all, but God had his hand on that, and I appreciate that. Um, you know, the um, organization of man sometimes can be good, but sometimes it isn't quite what God wants, and so it's important for us to, to remember that. And with David, you know, his father didn't even bring him into the lineup, you know, and so that had to be a bit of an embarrassment to him. But David was able to rise above that. And we talked considerably about the fact that because David, it appears in Scripture, that he took serious the work that he did. You know, he was a, you know, he tended the sheep. And that might be a low type of a job, but he took it serious. In fact, the Bible says that he took it so serious that he was willing to, um, um, to give his life for it. And, um, and then the next lesson we talked about, David and Goliath, that was last week. And of course, that story is a very, very familiar story. I think every Sunday school has about wore that one out. It's fun to talk about, but it's even more fun to, to read it and see how that really came to, be, to pass. I don't know about you, but a lot of times, not every time, but when I go through the Bible, 
um, and I go into those stories, I sometimes imagine myself being there and what it was like. What would that have been like to face a giant like that? And um, of course, David did it um, because he was prepared. And we emphasized that quite a bit last week. You know, God is in the preparation business. Every day he's preparing us for something. And that's why we have to be careful that we don't, um, you know, that, that we don't skip some things. The Bible uses this term, I think it's in the book of Ephesians, when it talks about the fact that we need to learn how to redeem the time. You know, that there's opportunities that will come and present themselves to us. And a lot of times we will shirk those responsibilities when we don't think that we're prepared. That's what we'll do. Sometimes we'll make an excuse. Well, I'm just not ready yet. Well, the next time that happens to you, I would ask you to think about this, okay? Next time that happens, ask yourself, why am I not ready? And I'm not here to, to, to condemn anybody. I'm here to say we've got to push ourselves. We're living in a time that is going to begin to demand that in Jesus' name, especially in the spiritual realm. And so um, think about that. David was prepared. Now, he couldn't use the armor that's, that Saul used, obviously, because you're looking at two different people. Saul was probably... Uh, could have been a couple of feet taller than he was. Who knows? I don't really know what the sizes were. But the point of it is, is that David would not have probably won that battle if he'd have taken that armor in. But he knew what he was doing. He was skilled in what he was doing. And so when he took that shot at the, de or at the, um, at the giant, you know, th that's probably a shot that he had taken many times. Not specifically at the giant, but at a target or something. And so consider that. God wants to help you and I to get good at hitting the bullseye. That's what he does. And so God can help us to do that. And so think about these things. I hope these lessons are not just immediately dismissed. I hope that we, we, we marinate upon them a little bit and put ourselves in the place. What is God trying to do for us in the hour that we're living in? And so God can help us. Now tonight we're going to talk about uh, an, an incredible um, a feat that was done. And of course when you talk about building the temple it took a lot of effort. A lot of people had to be involved in this. And so you think about that. You know, the church, I look at that kind of in the same similar realm, is that God is in the process of building his church. And his church is all over the world. We talked about this a few weeks back, about how the church is not a building, it's people. And so God is building his, ch his church right now, praise God. And some of the similarities that it took to build the temple in the Old Testament, we can take to heart today as God prepares us for one of the greatest things that's going to happen in Jesus' name. Praise God. I'll tell you, the bride of Christ, oh my goodness, I get excited when I talk about that. They, they were, you guys were talking about this kind of stuff when I first came into the church. Man, we'd have Bible studies that would go on until 2, 3 in the morning because we wanted to know so much about that. And it's, it's, it's something that God is preparing for us. Jesus had one of the last teaching sessions that he had. Um, and you can study this for yourself in the book of John. You know, he said, I go to prepare a place for you. That's what he told them. He was using that as a comfort for his disciples. He was trying to help them understand that what was happening was in the perfect will of God. 
But as human beings are, we think everything should be smooth and we have our way of thinking the way it should be done. But God has his and we have to accept that. And so Jesus was preparing to be crucified that next day. And the disciples weren't doing real well with that. They really weren't. And so he kind of interjected something, you know, a, a little different in his teaching when he said, you know, I go to prepare a place for you, that where I am, you're going to be also. And so you and I have a lot to look forward to. Can you say amen? amen. You really do. It's not going to be, there's nothing in this world that's going to be worth missing what God has for us. And right now, all of us are in that prep stage. God is prepping us. Praise God. Sunday morning, we're going to have a baptism. And Jose is going to be baptized in Jesus' name. Now, you think about it. That's part of the preparation. Amen. The Bible says he's going to have a bride that's without spot and without blemish. Well, how's that ever going to be accomplished? Well, it has to be accomplished through the blood of Jesus Christ. And so as we begin to accept the sacrifices that, that Jesus has done and apply them to our lives, we can expect that that's one of the ways that God is going to prepare us to be without spot and without blemish. Isn't that exciting? Yes, Praise God. Amen. It's going to be a time that you and I are never, ever going to regret in Jesus' name. I remember Lee Stone King saying one time, he said his pastor said this. He said when he was first in the church, he said, uh, his pastor told him, he said, Brother Lee, he said, two seconds after the rapture takes place. Come on, can somebody imagine that? Two seconds. Now, the Bible says in a, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, I don't know if they've ever been able to measure that. Somebody said one time that a twinkling of an eye is like one 125th of a second. So it's going to happen in, our, in a big hurry. But right after that, you and I are going to be in the presence of the Lord. Isn't that going to be powerful? There is nothing in this world, praise God, that is going to be worth missing that. Would you just close your eyes, maybe lift your hands, and ask the Lord to give you a little bit of understanding about that. Oh, hallelujah. I believe His Word is able to do that in Jesus' name. Oh, what a magnificent God that you and I serve. Oh, hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. What a powerful God. What a powerful God that you and I serve. In Jesus' name, praise God. Amen. I'm going to read something here and just listen to this. You know, we are accustomed to the pace of our world today. I was thinking about this the other day. I was with my wife and I, we sit out our back patio and we just enjoy the, the cool breeze or, the, or the, the sun, that type of thing. But the other day I was looking to my left and all of a sudden I saw something on a hill. And I thought, man, that wasn't there a few days ago. And I kept looking at that and I told my wife, I said, they're building something up there. And she thought I was messing with her, you know. But her and I, we tried to find that and all of a sudden we found it. Praise God. It was over there, right not too far from where you live, on Beaver Road. They're building a huge house up there. And you can see that from our back porch. And I thought to myself, that wasn't there last week. I know it wasn't, you know. But that's the kind of pace that we're in when we talk about building stuff, you know. It just seems like, boy, it, was here, it wasn't here yesterday and now it's here today. 
Well, it can be difficult for us to even imagine the dynamics at work of hundreds or thousands of years ago. Think about what they had to do to build that, okay? Consider the differences in construction projects then and now. The mighty Hoover Dam was constructed in just five years. That's a modern miracle of mankind. And the Gateway Arch of St. Louis took only about two and a half years. The, the Empire State Building, I didn't realize this, but that was completed in just one year and 45 days. Isn't that amazing? You know, mankind can really can do some tre tremendous things. You know, but construction in ancient times was conducted on a whole different scale. You know, for instance, the Notre, the Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris, I don't know if you're aware of this, but that took 182 years to complete. Wow. That's a long time. I don't know about you, but that's a long time. Remember that rock city of, of Petra that's in Jordan? That's a lot of times people use that as, as a folk or a point of reference. Well, that was carved in, in over 450 years it took them to do that. You know, one of my favorites, and they have a picture of it in one of the restaurants here in town, but the Great Wall of China. I just imagine what kind of obstacles and things that it took to build that, praise God. But it took, they say that historians say that it took to complete it approximately 2,000 years. Now that's a long time to be on a project. And sometimes we think that a week is a long time for God to be building something in us. Now I'm trying to put it in perspective, folks. We have to. There's a lot of things of God that you and I, we're going to get mightily discouraged if we don't put things in perspective. He's preparing us for eternity. Come on, think about it. And you've heard me read the scripture before in Romans where it talks about that we shouldn't compare the things that we go through in this life with the things that God is preparing us for. And I know you've heard this all before, but the bottom line is, folks, we need to really consider that and bring it back down to what is God doing in me? Praise God. And he's doing some great things. And so all of those things, all of those projects that we know took lots of time. Well, in today's lesson, you know, we're going to consider, you know, one of the most significant construction projects from the pages of Scripture. And that was the building of the, um, of, uh, of the, uh, of the tabernacle, praise God. And so this was quite a deal. But before that could happen, I want you to see something. Amen. And this is how God operates. Look at Acts chapter number 13. I'm going to show you something here. And this, is, I think, is extremely important for us to consider. If you ever want to be used for a project, and especially a long-term project, there is something that's going, that, that, that has to happen to us in Jesus' name. And this is made reference to in the 13th chapter of the book of, um, of Acts. Look at this. Acts chapter 13. And I want to begin reading in verse 21. Now they're making reference to the Old Testament scriptures and the reason they're doing that is because Paul a lot of times when he would go into a city to evangelize, one of the first places he would go would be the synagogue. And so he would find common ground with them. And talking about the Old Testament scriptures made sense. 
And so that's what he's doing here. And he says, and afterward they desired a king. Now Paul, again, is making reference to this. And God gave unto them Saul, the, the son of Sis. It says, a man of the tribe of Benjamin by the space of 40 years. And then he says something here I want you to consider. He says, and when he had removed him, and never forget that, God was the one that removed Saul. It says, he raised up unto them David to be their king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, listen to this, a man after mine own heart. There is one of the biggest reasons that David was able to accomplish the things that he was. It's because he was a man after God's heart. Now, I'm not saying David was a perfect man. That would be a huge mistake. But he was a man that had a, a deep desire to do the things of God. And that's why somebody in here tonight might be asking, well, I don't have that much talent. I'm not that good. I'm not this and I'm not that. And those might be the excuses that you've been using. But if you would allow God to change your heart, really begin to manufacture something in you from the heavenly realm that would change the tune of the way you play your instrument, I'm going to tell you something. Things could begin to change in your life drastically. Now, I'm telling you the truth. This was the prerequisite. David didn't get his heart changed before he, or after he was starting to complete this project. The reason he could go on with this project is because he had a heart after God. And that's the testimony that, that, that's given to him, praise God. And the Bible says because of that, he's going to fulfill all my will. And so this was important for us to consider when we consider, you know, the building of this magnificent temple. That man alive, what a... What a uh, you know, what an undertaking. But we think about it with God, all things are possible. And so this is certainly one of those things in Jesus' name. And so David desired this. This is something he wanted to do, praise God. He wanted to, um, you know, to, to see the things of God made in Jesus' name. Two things here that are notable about this. First of all, David wanted to give God his best. That's one of the things that you pick up about David, that he wasn't a slacker. He wasn't somebody that was just, you know, doing just enough to get by. That on most of the projects that David was in, and especially the one that I just told you about, you know, taking care of the sheep, he took care of them good. Why did he do that? Because there was something in him that says, I want to give my best. Now, I believe somebody in here tonight, that's something that can be repaired even here in this service. That that's one of the reasons why you've been stumbling. is because something, for whatever reason, has gotten in that way. And I'm not here to condemn you. I'm here to say, my God's a restorer. He can do that. Even right here tonight, He can begin to put some things into your life, praise God, that will help you to really develop a heart that is after God, that will do whatever He tells you. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place tonight. I don't know how much spirit was in, in, in Indianapolis tonight, but there's a whole bunch of spirit in this place tonight to help somebody to be changed in the name of Jesus. Come on, lift up your hand and ask the Lord to help you with that in the name of Jesus. He is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think in the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Wow. Man, what a God we serve. 
What a God that you and I serve in the name of Jesus. He is able to do these things. And He wants to do that right here tonight in the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. Now I'm going to bring your attention to 2 Samuel chapter number 7 here real quickly. And this is where the story actually, not the story, but this is where we, we pick it up. And the Bible says in verse number 1 there, 2 Samuel 7 and 1, it says, And it came to pass when the king sat in his house, now this is David, and the Lord had given him rest round about from all of his enemies, that the king said unto Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God, God dwelleth within curtains. You got to remember, it was a mobile thing at this point in time. It's still coming off of the idea that when they were in the wilderness, and that's what we're talking about. David is the one that put a curtain, but actually David was the one that lifted that curtain so that people, all people could get involved in the worship. It's a powerful concept. It really is. And so then David, or, um, um, then Nathan says something to him, and he says to the king in verse number three, go and do all that is in thine heart, for the Lord is with thee. Now, this is the prophet. And you got to understand, in the Old Testament, that's one of the reasons Saul got into problems, is because the king couldn't become the prophet. And the prophet couldn't become the king. It took those two intertwining themselves to accomplish the things of God. And we must recognize that. One of the problems or one of the challenges that the New Testament church, especially in this era, is having is accepting the five-fold ministry. We're having a hard time with that. And we must pray, God, change my heart. Help me to see that. Help me to get everything that you want into the church so that it can accomplish great things. Can somebody say amen? So first of all, David wanted to give his best. And that's noted, praise God. And then the second thing, you know, we see about this, and in particular this story, that David did not desire to build it for his sake. This is why I'm telling you, that's what gets in the way so many times is us. That we got to have our little stamp on this. People got to be knowing what we're doing. Listen to me, I'm not trying to be critical, and I don't go on Facebook very much, but a lot of what I see on Facebook, praise God, is self-indulgence. It's self-promotion. And I'm not saying they don't insert, insert God once in a while, but come on, we got to get back to purely giving all the glory to God. This is what we got to do. This is what will make a difference. Because when you think about it, God is building a temple within your heart right now. That's happening. And God wants to see that accomplished above all things. And so David, again, one of the reasons he was able to accomplish this is because the prophet came into his life and said, man, that's God. God's speaking through you. So go for it. And I'm going to tell you something, that makes a big difference, especially when you want to get involved in some long projects, praise God. Listen to what 2 Corinthians 5 and 1 says. It says, for we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, now this is Paul making reference to a tabernacle, it says, we have a building of God and house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Never forget that, praise God. You and I, we're a spiritual, we have spiritual heritage. And so God wants to help us to do that. Do you have that video loaded up? Why don't you go ahead and play that? Thank you, Jeremy. I was pacing back and forth during prayer meeting on that Thursday night. 
our church in Mount Vernon wasn't growing like I thought. Mm -hmm. And so I figured growth will only come gradually, one person at a time, one family at a time, one Bible study at a time. God is gonna add, not multiply, and I was good with it, as long as God was. So while I was praying for revival to come to Mount Vernon, God spoke to me loud and clear. It was one decibel below audible. And he said the revival coming to Mount Vernon will not just be incremental, it will be explosive, expansive, and only God will get the glory for it. I was like, wow, glory. Somebody called the architect, we're getting ready to build. <laughs> I started looking forward to that explosive, expansive revival like a kid without a calendar at Christmas. It's coming any day, but we didn't grow right away. In fact, we even shrank a little. One morning in 2017, five years later, I was frustrated with God because he was not in a hurry like I was. And I told God, I need you to help me grow your church. And God told me, feed my sheep. The church wasn't growing as fast as I wanted, but I was okay with it. I'm going to feed the sheep. But one morning I cycled off to the church office and I groaned to God again. I was pretty good at that. And this time he spoke to me something that nearly knocked me off my two-wheeled candidate. He asked me, if you don't see it, will you still build for it? And it dawned on me that day that God's promise to have this explosive, expansive revival come to Mount Vernon may not come in my day. And yet my role is still as valuable as ever. My role is not to grow the church. My role is to feed the sheep, keep loving people, keep leading people, keep feeding God's flock. And then it's my job at that point to trust God with the growth. If that growth comes under me, Glory to God. If it comes under another shepherd who's leading and feeding the sheep in Mount Vernon, glory to God. In 1 Chronicles, David just knew he was called to build a temple for the glory of God. He had the money, the material, the manpower, but he did not have permission. God told David, great plan, David, just wrong person. David's job was to gather the materials and the manpower because his son Solomon would be the one who would build the temple. And his son Solomon is the one who built the temple. Yes. This story teaches us a valuable principle. Every one of us has a valuable role to play in the kingdom of God. Some of us will gather the material and the manpower to build, and some of us will build. If you're a gatherer, gather. If you're a builder, build. But let this story and countless others just like it all urge all of us to do all we are called to do for the glory of God. Awesome. That is an awesome analogy. That is an awesome analogy. This thing is too big for just one generation, praise God. And so God is doing that. Uh, let me bring your attention to a couple of chapters in the Bible. First of all, and I'm not going to read them all. I'm just going to make some highlights here. First one is First Chronicles chapter 22. You might want to write this down. This is where, again, we see that, what he was talking about, the handoff. I don't know how long it took David to realize that he wasn't going to be able to complete the project, but once he did, he began to make the preparations for the thing to be done. You know, a good uh, um, a scripture to read in regards to this is found, I think it's in the 14th chapter of Luke, when it talks about the building and the battling, and that somebody doesn't go to battle without first realizing, do I got enough? And somebody doesn't build a house unless they first realize, do I have enough to complete the project? Well, this is what God wants to help us to understand, is that no matter what, God, I want it to get, I want it to get done in Jesus' name. 
Now the scripture says in, in 1 Chronicles chapter 22, he said in, in starting in verse number 5 is where I'll pick this up. 1 Chronicles 22 and 5, it says, And David said, Solomon my son is young and tender, and the house that is to be builded for the Lord must be exceeding magnificent. That's the only place that word is found in the entire Bible. And what it means is it means it's going to be promoted. It's going to be expanding. Look at somebody and say, it's going to be mighty big. Now again, I'm not just talking about the building that they're building at that particular time. This was a concept that God was going to carry on all the way through, praise God, into the New Testament until the book of Acts when the Holy Ghost was poured out and people started realizing that this is much bigger than any building than any man could build. But believe me, this building had significance because David wanted it to be exceeding magnificent of fame and of glory throughout all countries. And then he says, I will therefore now make preparation for it. There you go, one of the keys. He says, so David prepared abundantly before his death. And another portion of scripture talks about the fact that David had to deal with a lot of battles. You know, and there's a lot of weariness and a lot of things that go with that. Praise God. And so this was another one of the reasons that David wasn't allowed to build the temple. Not that he couldn't have. It's just the idea that God doesn't overwhelm anybody. And so uh, if you think about it, the temple was built during peaceful times. Does anybody think about something else that's going to be happening here in the end times? Yeah, they're going to be building the temple over in Jerusalem. And one of the things that's going to require to have that happen is that there's going to have to be somebody that's going to be able to raise up and bring real peace to this world. Of course, we understand that that's the Antichrist. And so you can see all of these significant things that go on. And so again, one of the keys was the fact that um, you know, that, that David was preparing for this. It wasn't just something that, um, you know, that, that he just thought of one day and said, well, we'll just see how this goes, you know. One of the th reasons why I believe that God helps us in our endeavors in this er world and one of the reasons why we can give the way God wants us to give, you know, um, in, in regards is because God helps us to become a good steward, now, I've made this point several times through the years, and I'll just mention it in passing tonight. Remember something about stewardship. And the Bible says this, I think it's in Corinthians, where it says one of the first things that's in order to be a good steward is you've got to be faithful. Okay, faithful in what? Faithful in understanding that you and I don't own anything. That's a tough one for us Americans to swallow. We think it's all ours. We think that we earned all of this, and in reality, we don't realize that all of this is going to be gone someday. Now, that doesn't give us a, a license to squander it, but it helps us to understand that, hey, I want to give. I want to give to the kingdom of God. In my opinion, a couple of times in the book of Acts, you see that people just emptied out their households for the kingdom of God. You know, that they started giving everything away. Well, we realized because we got the book that just a few years later that God allowed the Roman government to come to that city of Jerusalem and literally plow, plow it down. That whatever they had, if you'd have kept it stashed for that time, you'd have lost it anyway.
And so I believe that a similar, a similar spirit is going to come upon the apostolic church in these last days. That God is going to help us to recognize the time. That the time is now. And if we don't give it, praise God, there's going to be somebody that's going to come and take it away from you. And so this is why we must be right in tune with what the, what the Lord wants. Look at somebody and say, I want to be a steward. Praise God. A steward doesn't earn or doesn't own anything. It doesn't, doesn't have any ownership, praise God. It's one that takes care of what God has given to them. Another place, 1 Kings chapter number 6, this is where we get started with the idea of... of um, of Solomon beginning, praise God, because, you know, David, you know, he was, he was making sure that they had enough supplies and things of that nature, and so um, here's where you see the kingdom of, or, or you see the project beginning to get off the ground in Jesus' name. Bible says in verse number one, and it came to pass in the 480th year after the children of Israel were come out of the land of Egypt, and I think that's unique, one of the neat things about the Bible is they kept good records. History even tells us that this book was right. And then the scripture says, and in the fourth year of Solomon's reign over Israel, in the month Ziph, it says, which is the second month that he began to build the house of the Lord. So we see that he began that project, that project. And I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but it took seven years to build that. Seven years to build that temple, praise God. And I forget, I had it written down someplace, but over a hundred and, oh, I forget how many, many men it was. Um, I, but again, I had it written down somewhere and I forgot where I put it and that's par for the course for tonight. But nevertheless, he began to, he began to get that project done. And so we see that in verse 38, Look at this. That's why you can trace this. And you can see that it was seven years. In 1 Kings chapter 6 and verse 38, it says, And in the eleventh year, in, in the month bull, it says, Which is the eighth month, was the house finished throughout all the parts thereof, and according to all the fashion of it. So was he seven years in building it. And then one last thing I want to I want to uh, um, give you a little bit of statistic here. Look at First Kings chapter number six and look at verse number seven. This is a uniqueness, a uniqueness that God had, you know, with with this, um, you know, with this building. The Bible says in the house when it was in building. Now this is the temple. It says was built of stone, many made ready before it was brought thither. It says, so that there was neither hammer nor axe nor any tool of iron heard in the house while it was building. What does that mean? That means that they prepared those blocks off site somewhere. And then what they did was literally they carried those blocks to the site of the temple and they just set them in place. And I believe that's a beautiful type and shadow of us, that that's what's going to happen to us in New Jerusalem. God's not going to work on us. He's not going to tweak us when we get there. He's going to already have that done. That's why, listen to me, sir, every day counts. Every day, every week, every month counts for God because he wants to do his tweaking down here. That's what he's doing, praise God. And so you and I must recognize that, that in the uniqueness of building that building, God set some unique rules. And that's what he's doing for us. 
There's nothing like this, folks. There never, ever will be anything like the kingdom of God. Can you say amen? amen. Praise God. And I found it. There were 153,600 people involved in that project. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of cooperation. It takes tremendous people of leadership to carry that on. And I believe next week we're going to talk about Solomon and his wisdom. Well, then we're going to find out where it all came from. Because God is the one that brings these things to pass. Praise God. I'm telling you something. Reading these stories over and over and over again is a thrill, praise God, because of what God is doing in our lives in Jesus' name. Praise God. And so we see that. The stones were prepared before, and then they were set into place. Now, what does that mean for us? What is it? Let's get it back down here for the next couple of minutes while we close. What does this mean for you and I? Okay? Well, listen to this. Each of us has a purpose in God's kingdom. Can you say amen? amen? I believe that. I really do. I don't believe anybody comes into the kingdom of God that doesn't have something that God wants them to do. And then it says, whatever that looks like for you, the key is its fulfillment is for you to embrace it as, as your own. Praise God. Take it personal. Be like David. Make up your mind you're going to do the best job you could ever do in Jesus' name. Come on, that's not some threat. That shouldn't intimidate us. That should excite us. Come on, we got people in the world that do this all the time. And you and I, we ought to be able to be able to do the same thing for the kingdom of God every day. Praise God. Let's do it as, as unto the Lord. That's what the scripture actually says in the book of Colossians. It says, whatsoever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord. Praise God. And so, yes, you know that key. And it's like he said tonight, praise God. If you're a builder, then go for it. If you're a gatherer, Come on, recognize that about what God has in your life in Jesus' name. Praise God. You may be the one that gathers materials. You may be the one that shapes the metal. You may be the one who hews the trees. Or you may be the one who leads the effort, you know, um, uh, the effort and has your name forever attached to the completion. That is in God's control, not yours and mine. And so we must understand that. So what it really comes down to is do we have a willingness to do whatever God wants us to do? Now, I don't expect you to answer me. That's something you need to answer to God. And this is one of those things that when we stand before the Lord that God is going to ask us about. Yeah, were you willing to do what I wanted you to do in Jesus' name? He talks about a unique story here, and I'm just about done. In his book, An Unhurried Life, Following Jesus, The Rhythms of Work and Rest, this author, Alan, I'll call him, crafts a contemporary parable about a king and two servants. Now listen to this. It says, For each of these two men had a deep desire to please his king, but their approaches, now this is what's unique here, the approaches to doing so were so drastically different. Well, one of them was consumed, it says, with the fear of not pleasing his master, so he rose early each day to start his work. Makes sense. It says he would immediately begin to invest himself in the list of everything he believed the king wanted done. Sounds like he was organized, doesn't it? 
Not wanting to intrude on the king's busy schedule, he never inquired about what, what that list looked like. Instead, his days, this first guy, his days were consumed from the first light until late into the evening with scurrying from project to project. Look at somebody and say, he was busy. Yeah. And I'm not saying that's altogether bad. But a lot of times that's what takes prerequisite with us, you know. And so we have to be careful. I have to be careful with that. Well, the other servant was equally eager to, eager to make his master happy, so they both had something in common. It says he too would rise just as early, but his first ta task of the day was different. He would always take a few minutes to inquire of the king about his wishes for the day and to find out what he would like to see accomplished. Only after having such a conversation would this servant proceed with his work for the day. So the first thing he did was he went to the king and said, Hey, what, is there anything I can do for you today? Is there anything that needs to be done right away? You know? Well... It is possible that the first servant may have completed several tasks by the time the second servant even got on the job. But which of them was doing the will of the master? Now think about this. Which one was pleasing him? Well, he, this author says, genuine productivity is not about getting as much done for God as we can imagine. It says it is doing the good work that God actually has for us every given day. And that's something that we have to get back to is that daily regimen of God. What would you like? I know there's a big thing. I know the city needs to be reached. I know there's Bible studies that need to be taught. I know there's sermons that need to be taught. But you know, what's what right now? What do you got for me right now? And so I don't know about you, but that's one of the things that I'm going to make, make a whole lot more practice in my personal life, praise God. Because I want to I please God. There's no question about it, folks. I think of that scripture in the 25th chapter of the book of Matthew, and that has been one of my themes. Not the only one, but one of my themes. I want him to say, well done, thou good and faithful servants. That's not arrogance, folks. That's desire. That's what I desire of my God. I'm not trying to impress him. How could you impress somebody like God? Amen. I'm trying to love him. I'm trying to do what he wants me to do. That's the thing that you and I have to get back to. The simplicity of living for God every day and doing what he wants us to accomplish. Praise God. And I believe with that in mind, I believe that God can help us right here tonight. I believe, like I told you before, I, these Bible studies, you, people can, I don't know how they do it with these canned stuff, you know, just go right bip, 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 like that. It's never been that way for me. God is always, whenever I got a lesson or something, even if it's from somebody else, God will highlight something that he right away tells me, this is what I want to do. And tonight he told me he wanted to repair a heart tonight in this place, in Jesus' name. And so I don't know what the condition of that heart is, but I know that God wants to come into that heart right now. And he wants to not only renew it, but he wants to give it a prolonged purpose. He wants to give it a task. He wants to help it to become faithful to him in Jesus' name. Now, if you're ready for something like that, I want you to stand and lift up your hands right now in the name of Jesus. I'm going to pray for you. And I'm going to believe God to do his might work here tonight in the name of Jesus. Father, in